Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. In the name of Jesus, amen. How important would you suppose kindness is? When we talk about what holds a community together, I think we'd agree that kindness ranks pretty high. The reason for this is stated clearly at the end of our epistle reading, kindness is one of the purest forms of imitating God. Think about that for a moment. What would it be like if God were the kind of God who was always making snide and bitter remarks at us? What would worship and prayer look like if we thought God had been talking about us behind our backs, putting us down to others? How would you feel if you thought you couldn't trust God to tell you the truth, or if he was constantly losing his temper with you? Of course, there are plenty of religions, ancient and modern, where the gods do behave in that sort of way. Well, how do people feel about us if that's what we're like? Sadly, there are all too many Christians and sometimes whole churches that have allowed themselves to forget that kindness is the very essence of the Christian community. So this morning, we're going to look at five vices that threaten personal relationships within the church, the reasons why we should imitate God's kindness within the church. Examples of kindness, or of unkindness. First, don't tell lies, but rather tell the truth. Lies can destroy the community because we'd be relating to others through deceptions. We'd be manipulating them to get something we want. Lying here also includes falsehood. In an act as well as falsehood in speech. It's the intention to deceive that makes the lie, whatever it might look like. Lying for a good reason doesn't make it right either. We may say something we don't actually think is true, just so that we may give a compliment. Or we may lie to cover the fault of a friend. We may offer up some half-truth to get rid of a slight inconvenience to ourselves. But it's all the same. Christ emphatically says no to falsehood in every form. Our fellowship together is built on trust. And trust is built on truth. Dishonesty undermines the church, and truth strengthens it. Tell the truth. That is it, pure and simple. Have we told any lies lately? Any white lies? Are we presently lying in words, by silence? These are great sins against Christ and the church. Second, don't lose your temper, but rather ensure that your anger is just. That implies that there is proper anger, good anger. 
God himself is sometimes angered. Jesus was angry when he cleansed the temple. If God hates sin, his people should hate it too. If evil arouses his anger, it should arouse, arouse us also. But in our anger, we must be cautious because anger often leads to sin, which will give an opportunity to the devil. How does this work? It typically begins with a healthy anger at sin and its effects on other people or perhaps on ourselves. We hate the sin and the damage it brings, but if anger is held or nursed, it becomes highly personal. A life filled with anger, a church full of angry people, is a pain to the spirit. He will not work here. He cannot work here. Are you angry? That's fine. Be angry. There may be good reason or no reason at all. Acknowledge your anger, but don't let it be your master. Don't act on it. It will never work the righteousness of God. Don't ignore it. Just take note of it. Acknowledge it. Step back from it. Be dead to it. Offer it up to Christ and have him bear it. He will use your anger for something good. Third, do not steal, but rather work and give. This isn't just about stealing other people's money or possessions. It's also about employers who oppress their workers and employees who provide poor service or work short time. It applies to pirating movies and music on the internet. It applies to supporting the church with your money and time. It applies to only giving money to missions, but never to the local church with your money and time. Oh, it applies to supporting the church with your money and time. It applies to only giving money to missions, but never to your local church. It's theft. So work hard. Give freely to those in need. Instead of sponging off the community as thieves do, you will start contributing to it. Fourth, do not use your mouth for evil, but rather for good. Our words reveal what's in our hearts, and we shall have to give account on judgment day of every careless word we've uttered. That includes obscene language, but the emphasis is on the decay spreading conversation that runs others down and delights in their weaknesses. Instead of hurting people with our words, use them to help, encourage, cheer, and comfort others. It isn't just that bitter or sour speech is to be avoided. Your tongue allows you to bring God's grace to people by what you say and how you say it. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. When Christians build each other up through their words, it displays the grace of God, and it's a shame to pass up that chance. Fifth, don't be unkind or bitter. Rather, be kind and loving. We sometimes talk about a sourpuss. Little is sadder in people than a negative and cynical outlook on life. 
The picture Paul gives us is of a bitter person who has allowed their anger to increase while it is pent up inside them. When it finally bursts forth, what comes out is malicious and sometimes slanderous rage. Don't have a bitter and resentful heart that refuses to be reconciled to others. Don't be the one who silently harbors grudges and hatred towards others. There is no place for any of these horrid things in the Christian church. They have to be rejected entirely. Instead, we are to be kind, tender, and compassionate to one another. But our text is not just a to-do list and a set of rules. Woven throughout these verses are truths that both motivate and enable us to imitate God's kindness. Paul gives us a summary. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with the seal for the day of redemption. Paul likens the spirit to an official stamp on a document or package. It's marked out for a particular use or occasion. The seal tells you who the document belongs to and who it's for. The sealing took place at our baptism. The Holy Spirit himself living in us is the seal with which God has claimed us to be his own. The Spirit lives in the church and your hearts. And that means belong to God, that we are destined for redemption. The day of redemption is the liberation that will come when God sets the whole world free and gives us our resurrection bodies. That is central to the Christian hope. And possessing this hope gives a particular shape to our present lives. That means this isn't just about our personal salvation. This is also about how the church has become our new family because we are members of one another. Paul does not let you think of yourself as an independent agent. There are no lone wolf Christians because all baptized Christians are united together in Christ. We're part of the same body and part of the same family, God's family, the church. That's why we must be tender-hearted and compassionate towards one another. We are to be imitators of God as his beloved children. We are God's children. Just as children copy their parents, so we are to copy God, our Father. We are to forgive others because God in Christ has forgiven us. God in Christ forgave you. Christ sacrificed himself for you on the cross. His death has dealt with your sin once and for all. This allows you the heart of our God. God shows that he was not bitter and resentful. No, he is a kind God who forgives us. God demonstrates that he isn't false with us instead. He speaks the truth and keeps his word. He doesn't take from us. He gives us everything, even his own son, that is the kind, compassionate, and forgiving treatment we get from our loving God. In Christ, he has forgiven us, 
and his forgiveness moves us to act in the same way towards others. We are not motivated to forgive because the person deserves it. God forgave us, and we do not deserve it. God has every reason to be angry with you, and he still is kind and loving towards you. That excessive love Christ showed us moves us to be kind. Kind to someone who does not deserve our kindness. Jesus Christ gave himself into death to pay for our sins when we deserve nothing but damnation. That love also moves us to give freely of our love when others do not deserve it either. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.